You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Uh, with that, let's dive into the scriptures. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5 today. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. All right, Acts chapter 5. Starting at verse 5, it reads, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did, you not, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Many signs and wonders were done. Now, many signs and wonders were were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. Now, I know there are a lot of thoughts going around in a lot of your heads this morning as David read this passage. Primarily, what in the world is Pastor Bill doing using Ananias and Sapphira on Palm Sunday? Um, and uh, I, I'm sure that uh, that's not the general passage that you're going to hear in most churches this morning. Um, we don't really want to take a lot away from Palm Sunday, uh, but at the same time, we want to uh, conclude our series on the Holy Spirit this morning. Now, you just shifted your thoughts and went, thank God we're getting out of that Holy Spirit stuff, and uh, that's been scary for me, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on to something else. Um, but what I want to do is I, I do want to talk to you a, a little bit uh, about um, the gifts a little bit longer this morning. Uh, I, want to, I want to look at this particular passage a little bit this morning. Um, and then I want us to, to end with a couple of thoughts from, from uh, the encounter of Jesus with all the people on Palm Sunday or the story that we read on Palm Sunday. So with that in mind, let's, let's just do that, shall we? Let's just get into this. This is the last area that I want to talk about in terms of gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to con- conclude this series. Uh, we're going to do Easter, obviously, and then after that, we're going to enter into a new series that David and I are very excited about, uh, and we're going to be looking at various encounters with Jesus, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks here. 
Um, but the gift that we want to talk about today is just one, and that is the gift of discernment, or the gift of discerning spirits, all right? Uh, it's in that list that uh, we've read for various Sundays over and over and over. Uh, it's in that, that, ver- that, that really uh, big list of spiritual gifts. And um, I'd like this morning to start out by just uh, asking you the question, what was happening in this passage that David read to you? What, is, what in the world is going on here? Because we have this man who seemingly is doing something good, uh, but then he decides to kind of like misappropriate in some way, uh, and in so doing, ends up actually dying. Um, but the interesting thing is that the people in the, the service that he entered into or the gathering he entered into didn't know that this man had done this. He owned a parcel of, of land. He owned property. Uh, he went and sold this property for a specific sum of money, which was his to do. Um, and then he came in and he wanted to give money to the, to, to the Lord, uh, but he declared that he sold it for a different price than what he actually sold it for and was holding back some of the money. And uh, so he's actually lying. He's telling a lie uh, in the gathering of the people. And something unique happens. Peter stands up or walks over or whatever and, and looks at him and says, why are you doing this? And I'm sure that the guy was like, uh, you know, what's going on here? What are you, what are you talking about? Because he thought he had a, like a, 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 a story that, that everyone was going to just buy it and, and he was going to look good. Like he's going to look really good because he's selling his property and he's giving the funds to the Lord. But the people don't know that he's holding some back. So he's making himself to look very good in front of the people and even very religious in front of the people. Uh, But Peter just stands up and basically calls him out right there, right in the gathering of the people and says, why did you do this? Why Why would you want to lie to God? Why would you want to lie to the Holy Spirit? And this isn't something where someone, we don't have a story here where someone came to Peter and said, hey, Peter, by the way, I want to get you, I want to let you know something, give you a heads up. This guy's going to be lying to you. He's actually keeping money back. This isn't the kind of thing that's going on here. This man is coming. The people believe that he's a good man. Uh, he comes to bring this offering. He seems to be doing it in such a way as to draw attention to somewhat. Uh, but as he does this and tells the story, then Peter gets it, all right? But the amazing thing is Peter gets it supernaturally. Peter gets this not from man, not from gossip, not from other people, but he gets it from the Spirit. He gets it from the Lord. And he calls the guy out and says, why would you do this? I mean, the land is yours. You can sell it for whatever you want to. You can give whatever you want to to the Lord. Uh, You don't have to give everything to the Lord. You can give part of what you make to the Lord. You you could do this all right. This could be okay. This could be good. Why did you choose to do this this way? And what obviously is the answer there is he wanted prestige or, or image or something. He wanted the people to think well of him. He wanted to appear to be very religious and yet to hold back something. And so he wanted to do this in a secretive kind of way. And God exposed it through the Holy Spirit. So what is happening here? I would propose to you that this is an operation, a manifestation of the gift of discerning of spirits. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, 
was able to recognize by revelation from God that this man, Ananias, was lying. And not only did Ananias lie, but Peter played his wife in this as well and uh, proved her to also be uh, in cahoots with Ananias. And uh, Ananias fell dead, and they carried him out. When uh, Sapphira came in and she was exposed as well, she also fell dead, and they carried her out. Now, there's some more amazing things in this story that we're going to talk about near the end. But, but I, want to, I want to begin here by saying to you that, that it is valuable in the body of Christ for the gift of discerning spirits. It is valuable for the kingdom. It is valuable for you and, and for I. It, it's an important piece of what God has for us to utilize as we come together and as we grow and as we do life together and as we share and, and build and establish the kingdom. This is an important gift for us. This is not a gift where it's intended for you to live in fear of something, like being found out about something. But it is absolutely a gift that can scare the liver out of us. (laughs) You know, it, it causes us to think, but not just think about actions in a given moment, but think about the motives of our own hearts. And that's why this gift is put into the body, because the hearts of men and women are evil. And we can do things that are not good. We can do things that are not right. We can fall into deception. We can fall into being subject to evil spirits. We can actually uh, even go so far as as to be oppressed or used or or become pawns of, of evil and evil spirits in the earth. And this is a real part of the kingdom of God, is that there is an evil uh, on the side. There is, a, there is an adverse spirit at work against you and I. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion, and he crouches at the door waiting. He's seeking to devour someone. Those are not nice words. Those are um, intense words, descriptive pieces of the enemy. He's crouching, he's, he's, he's big, he's, he's powerful, he's like a roaring lion, and he's seeking, like he, his aim and his ambition is to devour. And this is exactly what happened to Ananias. He was devoured by greed and by the desire to, to pretend and to be something he's not. And in so doing, he was ultimately destroyed by his own actions. This is very important for you and I as Christians. We can be deceived. According to scriptures, it seems to be something that was happening in the days of Jesus. It it seems to be happening after Jesus went to be with the Father and released the Holy Spirit to us. Uh, And so this gift has come into the church to be utilized to help us, all right? Even in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, it says that some of us are mature, but some of us are immature. In other words, we, we don't, we're not able to handle the solid meat of, of the, the word, so to speak. Uh, and so that passage in verse 14 says, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. And they've trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. This is important for you and I, is that we are able to to discern 
Um, all of us have some level of discernment. Some of us may be more discerning than others. Some of you have unique intuitive abilities that just come with your personality. Uh, if you do a personality test, you may be one of those kinds of people uh, who is, is not quite over on the, the pragmatic side or, or the black and white side uh, or the systematic side. You need everything to be ordered and structured and it needs to fit and make sense and all those kind of things. We love you. We need you. I'm not one of you. I, I sometimes really wish that I was. When I score uh, on personality profiles, uh, I'm, I'm way over here. I'm actually in what is a 3% category. That's how, how awful it is. But I fall way over in the intuitive side. In other words, I need all of you because sometimes I will make a decision based on feeling over logic because I'm so in that intuitive place, if you will, all right? Do I have discernment? Yes. Do I use it? Yes. But that is not necessarily saying I have the gift of discerning spirits. I am intuitive. I can, I can catch on to things. I'm perceptive. I pick up on things. I do that really easy. My radar is going off all the time about stuff like that. I go to the gym and I work out, and when I'm, when I'm on the, the treadmill, I'm just looking around at everybody in the room, and I'm just I'm, I'm thinking things and, and trying to perceive things, and stuff comes into my head. All right, That is not the get. All right? That's just crazy thinking, all right? <laughs> but there are times when God comes in. And you don't have to be over here in this intuitive kind of, of branch. You can be very much over here in this very black and white kind of branch. And God can come in and use you in the gift of the discerning of spirits. In other words, you can know and you can distinguish between the workings of the Holy Spirit and evil or misleading spirits, all right? You have the ability to speak into things, all right? And there are sometimes other gifts that join or align themselves with this gift of discerning spirits, such as knowledge, the gift of knowledge uh, may be utilized as well. The prophetic gift so that you can speak out into these things and, and, and speak biblically and address these things, all right? But what you and I need to understand is that the purpose of this gift is to help the church to stay in line and to stay on track and to stay biblical and to stay where it needs to be. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit meaning the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times, in the later times before Jesus comes, some will depart from the faith. There will be people who will actually leave uh, the faith or stop following Christ uh, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. These are things that are actually going to manifest even among Christians, that they're going to be deceived. These, these spirits and these demonic pieces, these entities are actually so cunning and so clever as to be able to take a Christian, a solid Christian, and move them away from following Christ and to draw them out from the faith. So John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is not a sermon to scare you today, okay? This is a sermon to encourage you. 
I want you to be encouraged about the reality that God has given us gifts to help us to flourish. God has given us gifts to help us to, to uh, dismantle the strongholds of the evil one. God has given us gifts whereby we're able to discern and know the works of the enemy. And, and as we know them, we become more aware of how the enemy works, and we're able to fight against the, the, the onslaught or the strongholds that the enemy is trying to set up in your heart, in your mind, in the body, in a community, Whatever. And, and, and this, we, we see this happening oftentimes even in nations. Nations can begin to be deceived in certain ways. And so there are people who have to rise up and speak into those deceptions, all right? And those are, those are important places for us to come. And it's dangerous when we see the church aligning itself with the world or with culture because it is deceived into thinking that these are things that are okay, even if they may be contrary to scriptures. America is seeing that now. Uh, we, we, we hear and we see Christians talking about our, our leaders and saying these are people that are God's servants, all right? I'm, I'm about to step out, and I know I'm going to say something that some of you are not going to probably appreciate, and you may think that this isn't any of my business to address this from the pulpit, but I'm going to do it anyway. There is no man on the face of this earth who can be called the servant of God if he abuses, uses, manipulates, and any way gets his own gratification at the expense of a woman. Do you hear me? That is not a servant of God. Never has been, never will be. Not on a national level, not on a local level, not in a church, not in your house. You hear me? Absolutely not. Is God using the position of the President of the United States for His purposes? Absolutely. He is. And in my opinion, and this is my opinion, all right, God is using those situations in order to show us the heart of our nation, our own hearts, in order that we might be judged accordingly. That's what I think, all right? But, but regardless of what I think, I'm telling you, there is no place, there is no per permission for a servant of God to in any way abuse a woman for any purposes, whether that's in a career path, or that sexually, or emotionally, or any other way. It should not happen. It is wrong. And you do not call that person a servant of God. All right? So, enough said. Moving right along. Discerning of spirits. The power to discriminate between uh, what is a true spirit of God and what is a false spirit of God. All right? There, there were things that were going on in the church, in the early church in the book of Acts. And keep in mind that a lot of these people were coming out of, of cults and occult practices and they're coming in and they're trying to understand this God and this Jesus and follow Christ and be a part of the early church. And so they have zeal, they have passion, all kinds of things are going on. There's probably bits of synchronistic stuff that's happening all around in the various congregations. And so it, it has to be discerned. It has to be flushed out. It has to be dealt with and taken care of. And, and 
most of the time in a very loving and wonderful manner, but sometimes it had to be directly dealt with. It had to be confronted, and it had to be literally cast out in the name of Jesus. And so this is happening in the early church. When you get over to the book of Revelations and you start to read the letters to the various churches, the letter to the church at Ephesus says in Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know, this is Christ, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Now, all right, this is the church at Ephesus, and obviously they have encountered some things, um, and they have a strong sense of, of, of right and truth, and they have no tolerance for, for evil men here. But this is the last thing he says in this description uh, of the church at Ephesus in this passage. He says, you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So we, we don't only really see stuff happening in, in Corinth. We always give Corinth this kind of hard uh, description, saying they're, they're all crazy with the gifts and doing crazy things. But there's stuff in Ephesus. And there are men who are coming in and saying, I'm an apostle, I'm a follower, I, I'm a believer, I, I'm going to help lay the foundation of the church here, and, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to establish. And, and, and we're no doubt possibly doing signs and wonders and miracles of some sort, because not all of those are from God. And so he says, I, I understand, and I see you, and I, I, this is what I have to applaud you on, is, is that you tested those who, who claimed to be apostles and they were not. And when you tested them, you found them to be false. In other words, you dealt with the truth. You called it what it was, and, and you dealt with it. And even in Corinth, Paul was trying to tell them, hey, let two or three prophets speak. Let, let, them, let them share and let everyone weigh what is said. In other words, weigh it out and, 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 and check it out. Let there, be, let there be order the way that it needs to be. And, of course, we see this passage with Ananias and Sophia. Sophia. And this is probably one of the most, I think, um, real places where we see this gift operating and can say, wow, look at that. God really did do that. God really exposed this. God really called this man out on this. And Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Look at the kind of language that keeps getting used here. This is like destructive language. This is dangerous language. This is malviolent language, all right? When the enemy comes in and tries to start this kind of destruction, its intent and purpose is not only to destroy the church, but to destroy your soul. And so we need to be able to let the Spirit move and work and function in, in these gifts to help us to flourish. And I don't want you to be demon chasers, all right? I don't want you out there looking for these spirits and trying to find them everywhere. I remember I was riding with a couple uh, to Minneapolis and it was raining. And, and, and I mean, this is how, this is how we, we are, folks. This is us, all right? This is how we are. 
and, and the, the, the wiper blades were not working on the car. And I mean, I'm worried because we're on, on the interstate and this guy's just driving. I mean, he's just barreling down the interstate and the, the, the rain is not moving off the windows and we can't see very well. And his wife goes, okay, we need to pray. We need to, to cast those demons out of those windshield wipers. They got to go. We got we to do this now. And she starts to rebuke demons that are attached to windshield wipers. And uh, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, um, I just leaned over to him and said, when was the last time you changed your wiper blades, brother? <laughs> yeah. I mean, l- let's be... Let's be balanced here. Let's, let's be real here. All right, we're not talking about going off on the deep end and doing crazy stuff. I got a call a, a, a number of months ago from someone here in Sioux Falls, and they said, uh, our family knows your family from up in North Dakota, and we're just wondering if you could come over to our house, and could you pray over our washing machine? And I, and I said, well, why would you want me to pray for your washing machine? What, what's going on? Um, and she said, well, I'm pretty sure there's a poltergeist in my washing machine. <laughs> It's making strange noises, and it's vibrating. I said, just move your clothes around in there and balance, <laughs> balance it out, and it'll work properly, I'm pretty sure. If it doesn't, call me back. You know, and she didn't call me back, obviously. Um, but, folks, we, you know, there is that road of the uncanny and the goofy and the weird and all of that. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about legitimately places where the enemy gets into our lives, gets into our families, gets into our minds, and creates strongholds and positions and delusions and deceptions. And we buy into them. And when we buy into them, we operate out of them as though they are truth. And when we start to operate out of them as though they are truth, we're giving way to the enemy to have a foothold, not only in our own life, but in the lives of our family members, our extended family members, and even the church and beyond. And so you and I need very much to understand and appreciate when God wants to come in and correct, and God wants to come in and expose, and God wants to come in and change things, because these are common things. You see it in John, you see it in Matthew, you see it in Mark, you see it in Luke, you see it in Acts, you see it in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2 Peter. There are places where these are, there are examples of men who come in in sheep's uh, clothing, but they're really wolves. You see men who are coming in and claiming to be apostles or prophets, and they are false in every sense of the word. And so we need to be careful of this, and we need to, to be comfortable with, with God exposing these things in and amongst us. It's never comfortable to confront someone, is it? Never, all right? Um, not even when you have God on your side. Some of you are a little bit more bolder then, but still, it's, it's hard to confront, especially someone you might know, all right? And yet, this is, is very, very necessary. And though you may not have the gift of discerning spirits uh, in your life, um, God will put people around you who do, and you need to be open to that uh, and, and, and uh, Uh, encourage that, that the church would listen to those people who have been given a special insight or a special revelation because we are prone to think wrong. We are prone to accept things that are false Um, and even to listen to a false teacher or a false prophet, okay? And they're out there. And their intent is to tell you things that itching ears want to hear. They're, they're going to tell you things. They're going to say maxims and, and, and phrases and, and all kinds of things that, that 
trick you and make you think, oh, that's, that's cool, I like that, that feels good. And so we go off of a feel good rather than understanding, all right? And God never wants you to check your brains at the door and stuff, all right? God's intent and purpose is that you and I are going truer and truer and truer and conforming more and more and more to the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we have to be able to discern and, and know what is going on around us. Now, I want to talk to you more personally here. I, I, I hope you get this and you understand this. The, this manifestation of discerning of spirits involves more than just knowledge, all right? There was more going on that day uh, when, when uh, Peter called out Ananias. And ultimately, we see what happened. Ananias died. So there was a, there was, there was a, a battle that was going on uh, in, in that moment. And it even says that, that fear fell upon the people as a result of that. But I want you to understand that these passages where this Greek word for discerning is used, all right? Diakrisis is the word. And it, it by meaning, uh, indicates that not only is there a knowledge or a revelation, a discernment that, that separates good from evil, but there is an understanding that that is dealt with on some level. All right, so it's not just that you and I stand up and say something is wrong here, but that we actually enter into the process of dealing with it. And that may be through prayer, that may be through renouncing something, that may be through exposing something, uh, that may be through rebuking something, uh, or a spirit, or a demon, or whatever. But you and I don't just say, oh yeah, that's evil, and walk away. All right, that is not, when this gift is at work, there is a supernatural endowment of power that is associated with this gift of discerning spirits that gives us the ability to deal with the spirits that are at work. I don't know about you, but I, I have had family members who, in, in, in my family, an extended family, who have battled addictions. Uh, I have a brother who has battled severe addictions to, to drugs. Um, and there, there are times when I have felt so helpless in trying to talk to him and, and work with him, uh, even though I can discern, obviously, that stuff is going on with him and that he's using. And, and even if he denies it, I know it. I can discern that, okay? It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to do that, all right? Um, and I've studied addictive behavior some, so I, I, I can recognize some things, all right? Um, but that is different than having the ability to go in and discern that someone is bound by something and have the power and the authority in Jesus' name to break that yoke off of that person and be able to pray over them and, and see them start to be released from that uh, bondage or that addiction or, or whatever, all right? And so this is an important piece of the gifts of the Spirit in our church that we want to take advantage of is because when this type of, of spirit uh, gift is at work and the Holy Spirit is moving, there is an appropriation of power to deal with that circumstance or that situation. Now, we all have power over de the demonic. We all have power over evil. The, the, the scriptures give us that. Jesus gave us that authority. 
And so we're capable of praying with people and praying through uh, issues with people and, and, and breaking yokes and bondages off of people through prayer as they come into agreement with the truth and they see uh, for themselves and they, they repent and, and they uh, uh, you know, make the, the restitution or the change or whatever. Those are things we can do. But there are times when things are harder than what you and I are capable of doing just as Christians. And sometimes that's when the power of God comes in and there's this special manifestation that happens and we need to be able to hold on to that. We need to be able to, to enjoy that. And here's the, here's the interesting thing that happens as those kinds of things happen. I don't want you to see this as, oh my goodness, so uh, I, better, I better be really careful. And you go home and you obsess all night tonight and can't sleep and you call me at 3 a.m. and say, I, I'm afraid I might do something wrong and God's going to strike me down. That is not where we are and that is not what I'm advocating here, all right? We don't, we don't base our faith off of that piece of this story here, just as we don't line you up and ask the people who have the gift of healing to walk by you and put a light on the other side so your, their shadow touches you and you get healed. That happened with Peter on an occasion, but it was a unique experience and it's not something that we build a ministry or we build our faith off of, all right? Those are unique situations and we use wisdom in that. But when you go back to visit Acts chapter 5, it says in verse 11, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Many signs and wonders were done. They were done, the, the, the scripture says, regularly among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. In other they were gathering together. And a lot of other people did not dare to join them. But the people did hold them in high esteem. Some of the things that we do in the body of Christ may seem off-putting to other people. But we are not here to fear man. We are here to fear God. And ultimately, if I am misunderstood by man, but I can give freedom to someone else in the body of Christ, I'm going to bring freedom to someone else. And you and I have to be at that place where we are those kinds of believers. Because it says in verse 14, more than ever then, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and the mats that Peter could at least, um, by his shadow, uh, heal some of them. It says also that the people are gathered around the towns from around Jerusalem, and they're bringing sick and they're bringing afflicted people with unclean spirits that they may be healed. I want to leave you with this, folks. The reason for the gifts is the gospel. That's where we started this series. That's where we want to end this series, all right? A balanced, healthy church meets all the needs that exist in the body of its members, and we reach out into the community and serve it. And we do that by ultimately bringing the gospel. Pastor Dave talked about going out and praying for people and taking loaves of bread to them. That's a great, great thing for us to do, and we want to do that. But ultimately, it isn't a loaf of banana bread that saves somebody. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have tools and we have vehicles and we have the gifts. But ultimately, it is to give us the ability to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, a healthy church grows. And you and I are growing. This body of believers here called Life Church is growing. 
and people are going to be coming in. And so when people need salvation, God will provide an evangelist. When people need an awareness of sin, God will provide a prophet. When people need to know the word of God and what is right, God will provide a teacher, all right? When we need encouragement and we need know-how to do things, God will provide exhorters. When we need to be loved on and cared for, God will provide a shepherd, all right? When we need to be comforted, God will bring all you mercy showers up, and you'll just be able to, to love on each other and comfort each other. When we need financial needs met, God will provide those who are, have the spirit of, of generosity and giving to be able to do that, all right? When we need good leadership in the church, God will find us administrators and, and, and such leaders to help us. When we need fellowship, God will just provide each other, and we'll be here for one another. And when God needs people to see the miraculous in order to reveal himself to them, he will use all of you in those gifts to prove him that he is God and he is God alone. Amen. Amen. It starts with the gospel. That's where, that's where it's at. So we're going to, Alicia's going to come and she's going to share the gospel with you this morning and pray for you. All right. All right. Uh, I think one of the themes, one of the things that Pastor Bill talked and touched on a lot was the fact that we have been deceived and uh, we've been lied to about who we are, uh, about our purpose in life. And uh, ultimately, we believed that if we just ignore our sin, it's just going to go away. No one's going to care. Um, but the fact is our sin separates us from God and nothing is hidden from him. So our sin is fully aware. He is fully aware of our sin. Um, but instead of rejecting us and instead of casting us off, uh, he made a plan to combat the deception, to combat all the lies that we've, been, um, that we've believed. And to do this, he sent his son Jesus, um, who is the perfect, sinless servant. And Jesus himself says that I am the way, the truth, and the life and that no one can come to the Father except through me. Um, and so Jesus went to the cross for us on our behalf, and he died for our sins. He bore our sins, and he did not deserve this death, uh, far from it, uh, but he did it anyways. He willingly went there, um, and on the third day, he rose from the grave, and he triumphed over death, and he triumphed over the deception. And we know that we need not believe the lie anymore, that we are nothing or that we don't matter or that um, we don't deserve life. Uh, but we can believe that um, Jesus has made the way for us to be sons and daughters of God. And so if there's a stirring in your heart this morning, uh, if you are sensing that the Holy Spirit is trying to say something to you, uh, whether you... Um, have heard this before, and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, um, but maybe there's just some, some sin that needs to be dealt with, or there's a lie that needs to be dealt with, um, or maybe you're here, and this is completely new to you, and you've never heard the gospel. You've never heard that there is a way to triumph over evil. There's a way uh, to triumph over deception, and the answer is Jesus, um, and so we have a prayer team that will come up to the front, 
And uh, they are here to talk with you, to answer questions, to pray with you, uh, to lead you to uh, this man uh, who um, did everything he could and, and triumphed over evil and triumphed over death uh, so that we could be sons and daughters of God. So with that, I'm going to close this in prayer, and I'll have the prayer team come up. Heavenly Father, we come to you so humbly this morning, recognizing that we have sinned and that we have done uh, what is evil in your eyes, and yet you looked upon us with compassion and mercy, and you, out of your great love, decided to send your only son, Jesus, to combat the sin, to to come against the lies and the deceit so that we might know the truth, the truth that sets us free, the truth that gives us true, abundant life. So, Lord, we thank you that we can come before you boldly, that we can run to you, we can cry out, Hosanna, save us, and we know that you hear us, and we know that you, you have done it, Jesus. You have saved us. So stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you to convict us of sin and uh, to, to expose the things that we're believing uh, that you really want to bring full truth in. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the, the work that you're doing, and uh, we just ask your blessing on this, this holy week, that we would be mindful of the work that you have done, that we'd be mindful of the victory uh, that you have bestowed upon us. Jesus, thank you for all that you are, all that you're doing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, may we embrace your Holy Spirit in, in new uh, and wonderful ways as we move forward.